0: hi i'm luke campbell and i work for a small wine company and he's luke morris and i leave for germany in five days and together we are luke's talk wine we talk all things wine and booze popular culture think when to drink why we drink it and the culture that surrounds drinking hello luke g'day campbell uh how are you going very, very well. Thank you. Very well. This afternoon. Welcome. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good night. Wherever you're listening and to the listening audience, we have got an episode for you. This is Luke's Talk Wine, Season 4, Episode 9. And some of our topics today, Luke Morris, you'll be happy to know, is why aren't all wines vegan? All right. I yeah, wanna, okay. I want to touch on New Zealand Chardonnay, is it better, any better than Australian or even better than Australian? And then we've got a question here, a really good question close to my heart. Michael from Colac writes, um, the long form, he writes, emails us, why do you age wines? A little bit of something close to our hearts. We can answer that question for Michael. Why what's the question? Why
1: do new age wines?
0: Yeah, that's it.
1: Why do so, new age wines? Question mark. Why
0: do you age wines? Oh, why mark. do you that's age it. wines? I thought I thought you yes. said
1: new age why do new age wines? I thought, yeah, new age wines are boring. You know,
0: <laughs> all this filtration kind of stuff. Anyway. Anyway, we digress. Uh how are you, mate? What's uh, what's been happening? Um I'm, yeah, I'm going to Germany on
1: Saturday, which is about five days from when we're recording. Over to the marathon is the goal. Uh, I'll fly across and sort of sit in Berlin for about a a, a week to acclimatise and um, just see a couple of sites, but not do a hell of a lot, because uh, in the lead-up to a marathon, you don't want to be um, uh, heavily fatigued. So I'll... um, I'll do that. Uh, sort of just realised that it's, oh, I'm not going to get out to the wine valley or anywhere there, but I have on a wine topic, and this is something yes. for you, Campbell. This is an interesting yes. thing. I I thought, what if the, I, I had to go? I had to go visit. I wanted to go visit some friends, so I looked in the cellar and I thought, oof, uh, in the easy at hand rack. Um, which is the go visit a friend, take a bottle of wine rack. Um, which, which of these bottles would I rather have consumed if the plane crashes? And uh, if a friend said, what, what would you be thinking when you're cr- when the plane's going down? Oh, damn it. I wish I didn't, I had of drank that one bottle of wine. It's like, no, I'll probably be thinking, oh, damn it, I wish this plane didn't crash. Or um, <laughs> uh, I, that registration fee is now going to be a waste of money. and Or oh, the training I did, I could have done something else. You know, those would be the main thoughts going <laughs> through my
0: head. Um, yes.
1: Since I haven't got uh, uh, much else going on in my life, I was just worried about those things. But um uh, I pulled, it was a bottle of Beaujolais, uh, Flurry, 2021. So it's a little bit young, but that's fine. Uh, Domain Anita. Uh Beaujolais that was the one that I was just thought of these in this rack here. I'd want to have made sure I've had that
0: juicy and fresh and crunchy.
1: Yeah, it was yum yum yum. I enjoyed it. What would, and I just made me think, Campbell. Okay, what what would you do? You have anything like? Is there a uh, easy to reach rack that you have, and do you have any you know morsels in there that you particularly might want to make sure you?
0: on uh, the end though yeah end? I do uh, along along with your um along with your kind of you know drink now uh, firmly attached to wow wines um it's it's along those lines it's not your well-trodden path I love those kind of Central Spanish Valdiores high country manthea oh wow. You know um the um really just along those lines of carbonically macerated Beaujolais Gamay, these men Mencia's are kind of like, you know, similar, but Pinot, Grenache-esque halfway in between the two, really lively, grown at high country, so they've got a nice line of natural acid to them and have a real kind of fruit persistence. And everybody who you show them to, no one no one can spell it, no one's ever heard of them, but they just go, wow, that is delicious. They're a winner. A little bit like Beaujolais. Okay.
1: So if you've got something like that you have got one of those lying around the house that you uh want
0: to make sure is I've got, uh, I've, got a, I've got a couple of those in yeah. the kind of go-to section of Macella, yeah. Okay, good. good. Oh. Hmm. Um, Mi- Ministry of Clouds actually make one here domestically in McLaren Vale you. which is quite yeah, which All is right. quite tasty and um the other one I like is um Telmo Rodriguez makes it out of Spain and it's it's called okay. Gabbardazil, G A B A D D I zil, Z I L, and it's it's something the the bridge over something, but it's delicious anyway. Oh, right. Unoaked, unoaked, and just juicy fruit to get you going. Huh.
1: Hmm. Uh, that's interesting. I thought this is odd. These sort of um, uh, these things we want to make sure you know bucket list kind of stuff that you just sort of have laying around until. You know, it's not—it's not a weeknight kind of thing. It's not even a weekend no. kind of thing. It's a has to be has to be a reason. There's a reason to it, wine.
0: Yeah, it, everybody's going to have some fun. Is the reason?
1: Yeah. Well, I was supposed to uh, have it with friends, but it turned out that the friends had to go off and got called into work late notice. So I I packed myself off and went back home and drank it by myself. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's Excellent how exciting behavior. my life is. in The lead up to a marathon. <laughs> It can be really hard to justify opening a bottle of wine from the cellar on a Tuesday night, when all you want is one glass. And that's why we've started Unbottled Wines. We're delivering seasonally curated, ultra-premium wines from acclaimed Australian winemakers. These are wines that have never before seen the inside of a box, and may never again. Why a box? Because the box keeps wine fresh for up to 40 days after it's opened, unlike the bottle, which goes off after three or four. So if you would like to be able to drink exceptional wine one glass at a time, check out Unbottled Wines. Use the code VINIFIED at checkout and save 10%. What's the, what's we what's the topic coming on?
0: What's going on? We are on wines, wines that are vegan. Why aren't all wines vegan? This is a topic that pops up very regularly, you know, and I'm not talking about natural wines. I'm not talking about organic and all that sort of stuff. What I am talking about is what it means to be a vegan wine or not, and why it's important. Is it important? Ah, uh, oh, Cam, well, I just remembered something that's not on this
1: topic that I should, I sh- should, t- yeah, you know, I'll bring it up at the end of the thing. Okay. Oh, I'm going to make a note. Okay. Oh, I'll, uh, I'll remind you. No, I'm going to make a note. But on this topic, mm. um, on this topic, uh, why haven't we talked about this before? I remember discussing. Uh, I made some notes. Uh, why? Why aren't wines all vegan? What, what's the deal? Bugs get in the crusher, and we yep. use fish and eggs and fining as fining agents, and all this yep. kind of stuff that we filter out. And I'm pretty certain isn't in the finished bottle. But um, because they're used within the process. Of winemaking, the 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 wines can't be legally termed as vegan. I think that was
0: yeah right. I I don't remember. remember Have we really? I have to. I have to review my show notes a bit heavier. This is something that just continually comes up to me. Like because wine is fermented grape juice, isn't it? Surely it's vegan. Well, no. Surely it isn't actually. Because as Luke Morris just dutifully said, everything. Used in the wine making process, specifically in vining, are often like substances or whatever, or um, items that you know that might trouble vegan and vegetarian consumers. Th- these ingredients are generally derived from you know animal bones or animal byproducts or intestines, making it unsuitable for, for vegetarians. It's not just about the grapes that you add in, it's about the products you use to make. The wine and convert it into alcohol. It is a question that comes up regularly for me. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. No. Um, do, do So, is it, a, is it from people who are vegan or is it from restaurants who are trying to um, stock vegan wines or is it?
0: Yeah, it's ma- main, mainly restaurants. You know, it's one of those things like organic. If they can label their wines uh, vegan, they appeal to a broader amount. Uh, of customers, I guess it, it's a bit of a fascinating s- subject, really, because you have the knowledge and perspective, perspective that will benefit more a wider generation of consumers. Really, do so. We've laid out. There's lots of reasons.
1: I mean, what was so? What's the reason for people using? There there are vegan alternatives, but I think they impart a yeah. flavour. And that's why most people don't want to use them in their winemaking because the alternative to...
0: um, uh, Yeah, so you could use use a nut oil as opposed to a fish oil um, to uh, filter your wine, but that would... It does actually impart this kind of mild, milky flavour, which is detracting, particularly in white wine. You can use a... um, uh, like a uh, a modified oil that's not fish oil, as well. Um, but it does, um, impart, yeah, impart a kind of a, a texture to the wine, so yeah, they just don't do it. But consumers are uh, really they're quite, as we know, they're very label conscious, and wine's no exception. Like People want to know what they're putting into their bodies these days. Consumers want transparency, so winemakers can write it on the bottle, or sommeliers can list it on their wine list. It's pretty important to know whether their labels are vegan or not.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it, uh, there's no quick, quick fix to it unless um, there's probably research being done
0: to yeah. Well, I think if they're making wines with AI these days, surely they're making, uh, <laughs> surely they're tasting and making vegan wines more dependable to date. Let's hope so. Probably. Yeah. Good. I'm glad we put that to bed because yeah. I get asked that a lot. Uh, and if we have done it on this program before, uh, it's nice to revisit every now and then. Yeah. I think we went into a lot of
1: detail as to why they use each and all the products but as an, as an overarching reason it's, it's it was it, it came down to that that there's traditional things that they found worked really well going back way back when there's um, and uh, they haven't found and I think that's a, a great improvement
0: yet on that. no and the closest they got to it, The closest they've gotten to it is bentonite. But bentonite, if used in excessiveness, uh, you'll take out too much. And bentonite is an amazing... um, Well, really, bentonite's a clay and it's formed by volcanic ash, but it'll take out too much because it swells and attracts itself to all the... um, ions and impurities in the wine and it'll take them out but it'll also filter a lot of stuff mm. out that you don't necessarily want it to take out it's probably an example of
1: we've grown we or the industry has rather grown up on a certain taste and uh once if you know if they always used clay for eons and eons people would probably be like you know why would you change it this is how it tastes it's just part of the the process yeah
0: and i mean but, we, humans use bentonite like it was bentonite was used to filter petrol for years but the clay is used in women's beauty products like we've used bentonite for a long time they're just refining it to remove toxins out of your wine and they they're using it um in a wide range of industries not just wine but yeah it can filter out too much on to the drinking Mm. And you and I are good at that. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I you, you know, I love Chardonnay and I've recently been on the Chardonnay train. Yeah. I want to know, and this is a controversial statement, but I reckon New Zealand Chardonnay is better and better value than Australian Chardonnay.
1: Ooh.
0: What say you, Luke Morris?
1: Oh, we could have, we, Ooh, I don't know about the value part because you've got to ship the thing over to Australia um uh, that constantly mm-hmm. whenever i whenever i think of that it keeps reminding me of the time a customer argued with me about the price of a i quoted a price of of a wine and they said well it's cheaper direct from the winery and i pointed out that the winery was in new zealand and if they wanted to pay the tax and the shipping fee that would be involved on a on a bottle of wine from new zealand they could do that or they could buy the stuff that is already in australia <laughs> um, th- yeah, New Zealand, make. I, I probably don't know enough New Zealand Chardonnays. So I do know the ones I've had have been, Oh, actually I've had some terrible New Zealand Chardonnay and I've had some really good New Zealand Chardonnay. I I don't know. Where, where are you coming from with this? It's better than Australian point of view.
0: What's, well, what's making you say that? In the last month, kind of six weeks, sporadically and totally coincidentally, I've had the odd New Zealand Chardonnay, you know, someone's either brought her around or I've had a glass in a restaurant or, you know, I've tasted a a few together. And every time I've been ridiculously impressed. And just recently, I had a bracket of them, I had four of the wines, not knowing they were all New Zealand, but realizing pretty quickly they were all Chardonnays and just thought, and one after another, I thought, oh, gee, that's good. Ooh, ooh, that's good. Ooh, that's very good. Ooh, ooh, that's great. And then, and then finding out that they're all New Zealand kind of rocked my socks. Like when you think of New Zealand wines, you think of this kind of lip-smacking kind of gooseberry passion fruit Sauvignon Blanc, and you Uh, might think you might think of you might think of Pinot Noir, um, but very rarely or generally not do you think of Chardonnay. And my argument is this is this is shape shifting into something we need to watch i think it's great value we need to take another look at new zealand chardonnay it's fruit purity it's minerality the crisp acids i think it's putting new zealand on the map for a different wine
1: yeah you're making me think of how um so new zealand used to have this stigma and i think it was, it was warranted that all of their wines tasted like sauvignon blanc at least their white wines did um mm. and it was warranted because they they did they would you know that there was you can you can mistake it and i think maybe that's and i was thinking about this recently that regionality and why wines in a certain region you know have a certain character might be partly because there's you know, an influential winemaker who everyone goes and studies from and then they all copy that winemaking style and then they all make wine in the same sort of style and everyone in New Zealand knew how to make Sauvignon Blanc and then when more white grapes turned up in the shed, they just did exactly what they did for those Sauvignon Blanc grapes and made <laughs> made Chardonnay that tastes like Sauvignon Blanc or Pinot Gris that tasted like Sauvignon Blanc or um, Riesling that tasted like Sauvignon Blanc. Not you know obviously there's grape idle, but there's 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 a thumbprint but i think maybe coming out from underneath that are a couple of things one of the one of those things being um that the wine winemakers are getting more savvy in new zealand yes. there's, a lot, there's a lot more in, intelligence and not, not not just that there wasn't some but that they're just this is growing it's spreading it's it's, it's better and bigger as an industry um and also they used to ship a lot of wine to places like england and the market isn't so strong over there anymore so they're probably having to refocus where they're shipping their wine and maybe that's why you've been taken to a tasting or had a tasting where someone's gone we've got a whole bunch of new zealand chardonnay now which used to probably go elsewhere, maybe to America, maybe to China, like Australia. Actually, I don't think New Zealand's got the same tariff issues as Australia.
0: But anyway, anyway. No. But if you if you think about it, whether you're thinking about, you know, Auckland or Hawke's Bay or Martinborough, Marlborough, Canterbury, Central Otago, up and down the whole archipelago that is New Zealand, Chardonnay <laughs> is grown, right? So you think about all the different styles, all the different climates, climatically they can make some really exciting wines and, and so it's not like um it's not like they're without this harmonious balance of climate and fruit like they've got it all like these i, I totally agree with you i think some of the winemaking has progressed beyond sauvignon blanc and there's artisans looking to express the elegance and the, and the lingering texture that is new zealand chardonnay and i think we're seeing more and more of it obviously new zealand's cool the land over wherever so chardonnay loves cooler climates they can make the styles that consumers are looking for up and down uh the country and i think it's really important i think if anyone gets a chance you need to take another look chardonnay only represents it's it's, un, it's bugger all of new zealand's overall crush it's like under ten percent. I don't know the actual numbers, but uh I do know that Pinot's nearly eighty, so it can't oh, be that really? much. Yeah. Um Truth. Yeah. So
1: ten percent sounds like a fair bit if eighty percent did something else. Yeah, well
0: that's it. I would have thought um, I would have
1: thought eighty percent would have been the sad block but
0: no, no. Okay. I might. Yeah, um, no. no Pinot's the highest, and then the Savvy, but it's it's not as um like it's not a 60-40 split. If you know, like you, it's not that even. Mm. Pinot's certainly much higher. So what do you but think? Yeah, of, I'm, uh, I'm. Do you think I'm, part I'm, of I'm that is
1: also because it takes about five years or so for vines uh, to mature to wine making point. Um, three years if you want to push it, but five years. Hmm. Um, is, is a good point um so what five years ago a few new zealand wineries decided they needed to diversify their their range and plant a few more chardonnay grapes and that may be where a bit of a um uh, a growth no pun intended th- has come from
0: <laughs> i think uh you're probably right but such um winemakers like um who've been at it for a long time they've just finally got the vineyards right like um Michael Bracovic, the MW behind Kumu River at the very top of the um island Kumu River like they're probably today's they're probably still New Zealand's best Chardonnay. Okay. Then you then you've got um Who's the guy? Um, the guy from Greywacke uh, who has been at it for a while. Um, Grey Wacky down in Marlborough. He, Kevin Kevin Judd. Okay. Who oh, was Kevin- from? Yep, the same Kevin Judd exactly who's a very, very famous winemaker. So he's planted his vineyard. And it's just probably coming of age now. to be 15 or 16 years old down in Marlborough there. And, you know, it's it's turning all all of his wines turning on his head, basically. Um, but, yeah, Kevin Judd was at Cloudy Bay for years and um, went, right. through Ro- went, yep. went through Roseworthy and and the other producer, I mean, you've got Blair down at Felton Road, obviously, but in Central Otago, very, very famous. Yep. But also the other one I had recently, which just, and it was great value, which blew my socks off, was also from Marlborough. Up, admittedly, it was up high in the hills. It was Dog Point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Dog Point, they've they've been around for ages, but it just produced this beautifully kind of melony matchstick kind of, but not reductive matchstick, just pleasant kind of. It just had this youthful grapefruit nut thing going on, which I just couldn't get past. And it was so distinctive. I just wanted it with some barbecued pork spare ribs. Some, you know, hints of biscuit, hints of melon, great grapefruit kind of line and length to it. And it was, un- I couldn't relate it to any Australian Chardonnay. And so it was at that point, it really made me stand up and think, this is a delicious Chablis esque style with kind of nervous energy that I just wanted more. It was as if I was listening to a great musical album and I just song after song after song were a greatest hit. Like, That was the mouthful after mouthful of this Dog Point Chardonnay from New Zealand just made me think about wine and New Zealand wine differently, Luke Morris.
1: Rousers. You had an evangelical moment.
0: Well, yeah, almost. That's why I'm saying this New Zealand Chardonnay, it's a movement. It's the vibe. (laughs) (laughs) I think we've got to watch out. Okay. All right. New Zealand Chardonnay is better than Australian Chardonnay, ladies heard
1: and gentlemen. You first. heard it here first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go <laughs> no. away, uh, or Lewin Estate or yep, forget or uh, Mount Mary or uh, Cullen or. Uh, yep, forget or I'm him. Trying to think of someone else. Voyager. Um, yep. Who's in him. the Hunter? Who am I forgetting in the Hunter?
0: Sure, sure and Smith, Bat47. Sean sure
1: Smith, or oh,
0: the M3. Ooh. No, forget him. Forget them. I reckon New Zealand. Okay. Yeah, well, forget them, might be a bit yeah. But but just take another as look much at New Zealand
1: as you can, so you can
0: forget that Shaun Smith exists. Well, well that, sure that, that's, Smith, that's what sure, that's what Campbell wants you to do. But sure Smith, sure Smith is what? What would you buy retail, Shaun sure Smith today? Like seventy-five oh. bucks. This this dog point was under forty.
1: Yeah, that's about where Sean Smith should be, to be honest with you.
0: But anyway, um, well, you know, we bet on. But that's anyway. I'm, I'm urging you, people, listeners, drinkers, consumers, lovers of wine alike, New Zealand Chardonnays out there, take another look.
1: Yeah. I should say, I love Sean Smith wines. It's just, you know, gosh, things are getting out of my price range that I used to like.
0: Yep. Yeah, no, I hear you there. Mm. Um. Somebody else who hears us, and hears us regularly, actually. Nice segue. Gets... Good work, Campbell. Oh. <laughs> and gets in contact, because you can get in contact with us. How can people get in contact with us, Luke Morris?
1: Oh, they can uh, randomly dial numbers in their phone, and eventually, uh, probably, I don't know, what would it take? like Probably a few million combinations, but you could eventually correctly dial myself or Luke Campbell on a phone if you just uh, sat long enough and and attempted it. Maybe you could get an AI bot to help you. Uh, Or you can just email uh, (laughs) Lukestalkwine
0: at gmail.com. As has Michael from Colac. Hi, Michael. And Michael, thanks for listening, Michael. Michael writes, hi there. The two Lukes, this is a question for you both. Why do you age wines? Luke Morris, over to you. Uh,
1: Because what's the example I used to use is the piano accordion. Um, Not all wines are made to age, uh, but uh, they often soften acids, soften tannins. You develop a more depth of character and um, you you don't necessarily, if you want the power and punch and the... um, uh, or the alcohol and um, oak to hit your senses. You don't bother aging those bottles. But if you want something that's going to um, evolve, like using a piano accordion, where you've got the picture, or if those classic ones, they have a picture on them. It's all tightened up in the middle, but once you open up the accordion, then you see the folds. Uh, span out and a picture appears you can see all this delicacy and all these elements come to the fore that you wouldn't have seen if you had have just sculled the bottle uh, through a, a wine bong um, uh, at uni <laughs> <coughs>
0: No, well, I didn't realize we were going to be talking wine bongs on the show this afternoon, but I love it. I do love it. Do you? I've um, never had a wine bong. <laughs> it can make you very, very sick. We might touch on that in a, uh, another uh, episode of Luke's Talk Wine. But Michael, yeah, write in give...
1: if you want to know more about Luke Campbell and wine bongs,
0: <laughs> luke'stalkwine
1: Michael... at gmail.com.
0: <laughs> Michael, given that. Why that aging is part of the winemaking process. It can safely be said that all wine, um, I have to tread carefully here. All wine, yeah, all wine does get better with age. All wine does get better with age, but that's because the change endures. Uh, a, a wine is a living, breathing thing, so it's always going to be evolved, but it's when you drink it, which is so subjective. The aging is a purposeful, built-in part of all the winemaking processes, right? So, but the story changes once you've opened that bottle. So, once you've opened that bottle, it kind of stops the growth, and then you decide if it's if it's drinkable or not. Aging wine properly allows, just to reiterate what Luke Morris has already said, aging wine properly allows the time to develop smoother, full of flavour and enhances the overall experience it'll stretch out those tenons it'll soften the acids and the alcohols break down so you get a rounder more fuller drink whether that be white or whether that be red um, old wine isn't necessarily good wine um, but as a wine grows and matures it does tend to evolve I don't know if that's... Does that answer the question? What do you reckon, Luke Morris? Wine
1: evolves. Wine, uh, wine yeah. evolves. Uh, wine doesn't get better. It changes. But yeah, to it, some it people, it does get better. Like, I I do love... I, 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 You know, you get spellbound sometimes when you have a really old wine that just tastes um, so unique. I mean, that's the other thing. If you want something that... You know, 90% of my customers want something that's big, bold, heavy... Shiraz it's like yeah and they all taste pretty much the same because that's the way they sort of made on day one put in the bottle that's it but it'll be more unique if you age it because then it's you know secondary characters and and, um, what, what we technically refer to as the bouquet as opposed to the aromatics develops yeah and, uh it's just it's, it's something more um special I guess yeah.
0: yeah
1: but the other thing the other point to mention what, what you said not all old wine is good wine uh, people often keep old wine as like a trading cards you know They're, yes I've got an I've got a 1950 bottle of Penfolds Grange or something, uh, you know, that's worth whatever it's worth, ten, twenty thousand dollars. You don't open that. You don't wanna, you're not aging it to uh drink on your hundredth and tenth birthday. You uh you're aging that because it's uh an individual item and it's gonna be valuable. <laughs> but um, nah, there's not everything, not everything that is aged. Is designed for uh, human consumption. I guess that that stuff's more
0: designed for the trade market. But anyway, yeah, that's, uh, that's a bit off uh, the uh, point. Uh,
1: that's yeah,
0: yeah. No, I think I think we've answered the question. Uh, d- yeah, but further to that, does all wine taste better with age? No, not necessarily. Two um, thousand and sixteen
1: Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc would be looking very iffy right about now.
0: Yes, it would be. <laughs> it and that's would a comment
1: that, that rings true now and into the future. It's never going to get better.
0: And the other thing is, personally, if you're buying a wine to age, if you don't like it in its youth, you're not going to like it as it age. So if, you know, the old adage is you buy this wine, it's like, oh, gee, I don't really like this now. I'll stick it under the bed for five years. Nah, it doesn't work like that. If you don't like it in youth, you're not going to like it in maturity. So just bear that in mind, listeners. You, uh, you can, they can be some things like um, some Chardonnays when the acid drops
1: down. I suppose people, you can see the, you can, you can like the wine, but you can love the wine more in time. That might yeah. be a way
0: to look at it. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. No. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Well, thank you, Michael. I hope we've answered your question. Um, Luke Morris, what are you drinking? You might well, have alluded I to had
1: it earlier, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the Anita, so we discussed that. What I should have started off with was uh, an update on the oh, we've got two updates. Uh, for those who are mm-hmm. listening, uh, and we talked about inexplicable happiness, uh, Beechworth Chardonnay, we're going to contact um, Chris Catlow. I have it on yes. good authority that he doesn't have uh, a lot of juice or fruit available. So, if we're going to do an inexplicable happiness wine, we'll have to uh, uh, find another go to solid, you know, Heathcote Shiraz. We could contact um, a couple of people in Heathcote about that. Or we could yep. do Clare Valley Riesling. That would be very on brand for Luke's Talk Riesling.
0: That would be very on brand, yes. There's
1: a couple of options. Anyway, those those people who are interested in what, if we'd completely forgotten about that. No, hadn't forgotten. No. Um well but I did start off talking about the domain on ETA. I should have started off talking about the wine science show that I did. Yes. Uh, How did you go time. in Sydney? Yeah. Um so uh what did I mention? Canberra. I was about to go to Canberra, I think last we spoke Uh, Mm and that i'm told that sold out they only had 50 tickets and i was doing a split show with uh, i did my show and uh, a friend of mine rachel rayner did her uh, atomically correct show we did that on the same night in canberra they had 50 tickets in the small venue and they sold them all so great Canberra sold out um and sold out i was pessimistic about my chances in Sydney because I had sold zero tickets and I had a few people in I actually had 10 people in on on a Wednesday night in Sydney which I thought was was 10 more than I was expecting and then uh, fantastic well done almost sold out my little room uh which is another 50 seat room on uh the Friday night so I don't know we must have got out somehow and um uh that was a that was one of the most fun gigs i've ever done it was uh, it was a lot of the audience was really up to have a good time they gave me easy laughs on the silly jokes which meant all the good jokes were um (laughs) uh, they they were were like it was like it was like someone giving some charity and then realizing that oh actually this is quite good (laughs) and it's it's competent oh wow for a really good time uh, so it was great Um, so that went well so uh, if if you came to the show and I didn't and you didn't say hello, thank you very much for
0: coming. Oh mate, that, that's excellent. That, that's a great result because yeah, you were very sceptical, but uh yeah. you, you've bounced back and you, you've overcome the Sydney market and they've blocked to <laughs> you in droves. That's excellent news. Oh, drivers, well
1: droves still isn't. I wouldn't. I think I um, you know, uh, performed to at max a hundred people in um. And whatever it was, two weeks. So in, in those three shows, so uh, uh, not, uh, not not taking any money to the bank, um, and <laughs> I'm not uh, uh, I'm not shaking down the Horton Pavilion or anything. But um, it, it was very very fun, and the the, the, the wine loving folk uh, seemed to really enjoy it, which is
0: great. Well done. That's awesome. What are you drinking? What's right, happening in you? Great to hear. Well, mate, I am um, – actually, last week I had the pleasure of uh, hosting a dinner, actually, um, for a, a friend of mine and a, and a corporate um, corporate client mixed together, and I was amongst some wine royalty, in fact. I hosted a dinner in conjunction with Doug Neal, and he's the man behind uh, Heskett Wines in Macedon, Paradise 4, which was down in Batesford near Geelong a while ago, and his new brand, Altera Terra. Doug Neal is probably uh, – a lot of people might not know Doug, and but I'm sure they would know his work. Doug's been the assistant winemaker to Rick Kinsbrunner for 15-odd years, and basically he's basically turned – um, you know, he's the reason probably in this country we drink decent chardonnay because not only <laughs> does he does it does he bring does he bring the great Sarug oak in, he's kind of helped um so many brands kind of push forward along with Rick, uh, and their um, wines up there at Giaconda. but now the wines that he's making at All Terra Terra are just stunning, and I just I just had to sit back. I, I was hosting the evening, but I just had to sit back and just. Just take take a moment and t- to revel in the genius that is Doug Doug Neal and his in his wines. He's obviously he's a master craftsman at what he does. And it was one of those moments where you just had to kind of sit back and shake your head and go, Wow, there's a reason I do what I do, and it's to taste these places and, and go to these wines. And uh it was Doug Neil. I was at the hands of Doug Neal and his all Terra Terra wines. They're pretty amazing. Um if you can source them out, they're about to be released. These wines are truly stunning and they show a sense of place, both whites and reds. The old Terra Terra range is all reds at the moment, but I'm sure Doug will release some whites soon. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm drinking. That's it's odd. It's usually much... the other
1: way around. People pump the whites out before the reds. But uh uh question for you then, can you get any of this? Through Vinified or is, is do
0: yes. So planned? I um I'll have some of these wines up on my site in the coming days. But it, yeah, if you want to lash out and uh you want a list of the wines, don't just DM us at Luke's Talk Wine or flick me an email at Luke at vinified.com.au. There's only limited amounts of them available, Luke Morris, so I'm not plastering them everywhere. Um but yeah, I was just she I was just enamored by um the work, you know, sometimes it just forces you to sit up and take notice. Well, I was; these wines have been heralded by everyone from Hugh and Hook to Jeremy Oliver. I think I think Jeremy's Oliver's quote on the red wine, the Altera Terra Terra Altera Terra Terra Shiraz, um, twenty two. You know, which is about $35, 37 bucks a bottle. I think Jeremy Oliver's quoted as saying, "This will change the face of Australian Shiraz." Oh well, wow. yeah. It was pretty cool, and it's it's a pretty amazing wine as well. Why?
1: What 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 what, what is the current face, which is probably Barossa oak? Oh, I was going to say Barossa oak. Barossa and oak isn't really hand in hand, even though they do use oak. It's not as oaky as.
0: So I it was it kind sure of as... it, it kind of navigated this path between that oaky Barossa number and that kind of savoury medium weight. Hunter like it was neither of the two it just wove a path really nicely it had this cool climate fruit but earthy minerality um it had this kind of uh, inky mid palette but full fruit up front it um and it was amazingly the- it was actually it was a blend yeah, Main, ma- mainly Murr and Bateman. Some Macedon fruit and some McLaren Bale fruit from Blue Springs. Oh, was a it was a blend. Um, oh, it was it was a ama- it was amazing. Thirty seven bucks, amazing. Southeastern Altar- Australia. Yeah, pretty much. Love <laughs> <Well, nice>. it. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. It's worth searching out if you, um, or you can reach out to me at Vinified. We'd love to hear from you. Okay. Uh, but that's what I'm drinking. That's what you're drinking. You're traveling. So we'll be back when you're back, I'm assuming. But, um, mate, I hope you have all the successes in Berlin. You're a month early or two weeks early for Oktoberfest, but have a have a sign for me somewhere. Um Yeah, the, the people are trying to tell me to go to Oktoberfest, I, I, like when
1: I was maybe a decade ago, I would have been like, oh, yeah, let's go to Oktoberfest, yeah. But now I'm like not that keen on a large group of drunk people. i've been there done that i know what large
0: groups of drunk people are like they're not as much fun as it sounds no fair enough but hopefully there'll be some you don't need the large masses of drunk people but what you do need is german beer and german sausages so good luck in your search thank you uh he's been luke morris ladies and gentlemen you can follow his exploits on the gram or Mm. uh wherever you get uh luke morris updates from you can see me on the gram at vinified underscore wine underscore services we have been luke's talk wine and in the word of the now infamous tony barber keep smiling and bye for now
1: Would you like to be smarter and do good in the world? Luke Morris here. I sold out shows at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival with the Wine Science Show. And now that show is in book form. It's only $15 and 100% of profits go to charity. So donate and learn and laugh with the Wine Science Show book. Go to lukemorrisha.com.au or follow the link in the Luke's Talk Wine Instagram bio.